0: Listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 139 of the Testudo Times podcast. Another new head coach for Maryland football. I feels like I've done about four of these podcasts without talking about a coach being fired or a coach being hired, or an interim coach coming in. And I've only been doing this podcast for three and a half years. But this is a new one. The official hire is made. Mike Loxley is the new head coach of Maryland football, the former Alabama offensive coordinator, former Maryland offensive coordinator, head coach at New Mexico. Thomas and Ryan are both here to talk about this coaching hire from all different angles. And we'll start, Thomas, with talking about how it sort of felt inevitable that this is where this was going to end up, no matter who else was getting brought up in terms of the names? It always seemed like this was Mike Lockley's job to lose, and eventually he got the job. Yeah, I mean,
1: as soon as DJ Durkin was fired for for real on October 31st, you know, players, boosters, for, you know, former players, boosters, other people, you know, all sort of started mentioning Mike Lockley right away. And... No one ever really overtook him in in this search. You know, it, as a result, it did kind of feel inevitable. It, it wasn't like the last time Maryland had a coaching search where, you know, you can go in so many different directions and you can start a completely new vision for the program. And even, you know, that there's a big argument that that's what Maryland should do, especially with the kind of mess it had been, that you need to start completely fresh. And um, But Maryland instead decided... They wanted someone who could quickly regain the trust of as many people as possible. And Mike Loxley, because he's been at Maryland, because he is a well-liked figure in, in the DMV, um, among recruits, among boosters, they, he was always kind of that guy if they decided they wanted someone connected. And that's that's how it played out.
0: And you knew... Even though being a Nick Saban coordinator is a great job, they all end up getting better jobs pretty quickly because every Alabama team is the death star, except against Georgia, apparently. Uh, Ryan, there is really no surprises in this coaching search. Even the names that were mentioned and linked with Maryland were not really surprising, but it just felt like this had one ending, and it felt like after all the boosters had been talking about and after all of the rumor, that had been going around about Maryland football for a while. It just felt like this was kind of the time that going to Mike Locksley, going to this guy who knows the area better than anybody else on the football coaching scene, it made sense in many ways that this was finally the time to go to this option when the program is arguably at its lowest.
2: Um, yes, I think in some ways, yes. I think uh, I think the big the big argument is going to be. Um, Scott Van Pelt had this tweet that I think basically you are either going to agree with it or you don't, but uh, this tweet, well, that's basically what the tweet said, but um, the, this is like, this is such a huge coaching hire for Maryland because the public opinion of the school and the team is so low right now. And in terms of like general public nationally, you know, local public people and also local, uh, local high school, Coaches, recruits, all that, um, and so hiring Longley definitely helps with the uh, with the local football scene um, because it, every he has attained this apparent just legend status in the community that uh, it's it's a little easier to have it when you are only coming in to pluck the five stars from Alabama, but nonetheless, it is. Uh, I mean. The way he, he, he has, you know, a bunch of recruits already tweeting, you know, we're into recruit tweets that are just eye emojis, but they're, you know, a bunch of recruits tweeting stuff about how he's back and they seem excited about it. And what he does is he builds back trust in the local football community and on the team itself. Like player Twitter reaction seems really, uh, seems. Very positive. Um, but the risk with everything that happened with him at New Mexico is that the general public rightfully will say, you just had the biggest scandal in the team history, you know one of the biggest ones in university history, and you are your replacement is a guy who had big scandals in his only other coaching head coaching job and that is rightfully going to be hard to get past for a lot of people it, it should be and it's one of the reasons i thought they weren't going to hire him in, in the in the first place and it it's maryland's making maryland's making a big bet on this if it doesn't work out uh from a pure football standpoint that's probably okay if there is any scandal under locksley it becomes an even bigger deal uh, and that is, that is what you signed
0: up for. There is a lot to get into with this. We'll talk just- all about what's happening with New Mexico and what happened there and why so many of us were going, okay, Oxley's got some baggage here. But in many ways, Thomas, I think that because of the chatter from the boosters, the people who keep this program alive in many ways, they had wanted different coaches during the last two searches, and they didn't get them. And now when the program's at its absolute lowest, you think it could be at its absolute lowest, but it certainly feels like it right now, it in many ways feels like it's kind of them coming and saying, you know, guys, now's the best time to do this. If there's any time to hire this guy who knows the area better than anybody, and we're not talking just the, I mean, not just the boosters who made the comments about DJ Durkin, but we're also talking Kevin Plank here too, who is apparently very much on board with hiring Loxley. At a point it's like, If you didn't hire Loxley, it almost felt like you might not get the support from the guys you need to have support to run a functioning program in many ways, and your Mm -hmm. program's already that low. And so, Thomas, in many ways, it's not a catch-22, but it's almost like a, well, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, and you might as well go with the devil you know. Yeah, I mean, I think among the
1: finalists that were reported for this job, Loxley was the clear favorite among basically everyone who supports the you know this so supports the program with a lot of money all the boosters really preferred Loxley a few uh like I, I heard Wallace Lowe kind of liked Pep Hamilton and a few uh you know a lot of people do like Matt Canada but Loxley was the favorite among the stakeholders at this point and combine that with you know what he's done at Bama this season and his his recruiting history in the area it, it made a lot of sense and you know now is the time
0: so okay let's start with bama because i want to talk about recruiting in a second and because i mean he's recruiting chops for evan and he got stefan diggs to play for randy Edsole. i don't know anybody else who could have done that but i want to talk about bama for a second ryan because he is the offensive coordinator of one of the greatest offenses in recent times in college football he's had one of the best quarterbacks in recent times in college football and he's coaching in Alabama where they have an endless well of talent. I don't really like saying this, but it almost feels like I could have coached them with the talent that they have. So how good is Mike Loxley as an offensive coordinator? I don't really think Alabama is a good gauge. But then again, the uh, two assistant coaches for Alabama, they were on the defensive side of the ball. Kirby Smart's done all right, and people seem to like Jeremy Pruitt.
2: Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right in saying that uh, – you, you know, maybe he did do, he is doing a very good job with Bama. You know, it's certainly, it's certainly not a negative, but uh, the fact that you are dealing with a stacked deck here means we cannot properly evaluate what you are, what you're doing. If anything, the Bama tenure really, what it says about Loxley A is that Nick Saban thought, yeah, no, I like this guy. Let's do it. I mean, you can be good at uh, at coaching football, or a good recruiter, but that doesn't mean Nick Saban's going to hire you to be his offensive coordinator. And uh, the fact that he did says something good about Lossley. Absolutely, and I think uh, that had to be if he weren't at Bama. There's a good chance like that helped him. Uh, him just. Like, Maybe rehabilitate his, his image? image. I, I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and as you, I'm...
0: People look at you differently, you know? Definitely. Um, because if he was just an offensive coordinator say, I mean, what's another good school? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a name. Um, not Clemson, but something to that effect. The,
2: yeah.
0: Like, would it be different if we're not talking about Maryland hires... I don't know. Who else could, be, could we talk about in this? I, I, I'm trying to think of a team that would be appropriate. LSU Offensive Coordinator, Mike Oxley, How about that?
2: A lot, yeah, I think the it the situation had to work out. Given the baggage that he has, the situation had to work out, basically, that he goes to Alabama and coordinates this outrageous offense. Um, and that's sort of the way that he comes. That's, that's the only way you're going to convince uh, not only the boosters, but especially the... Uh, university that that they will uh that you know he would be he would get hired here um and it is a yeah it's a big gamble like at at maryland his offenses weren't good but they were under randy edsel um at illinois he had one good offense the two previous ones were bad but they were at illinois um and then new the ev- everything in new mexico was bad um and so that isn't a super great track record um but with loxley in in every way what you are betting on is that you're betting on the people who know him from maryland who say he really knows what he's doing and you are hoping that it works out um so in, that, in that, that extends to offense, it extends to everything. Um, and, you know, as an alum of Maryland, I definitely hope it does work out. Um, but it's, yeah.
0: It is, it is fraught with risk, and this is not certainly. a slam dunk hire. And people are saying this is a slam dunk hire, and I don't think that that is a true statement. There is risk. There is risk with every head coaching hire, unless mm-hmm. you're hiring Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, basically, or right. the reincarnated spirit of Bear Bryant. There are no right. sure things.
2: Because and- also the, the uh, if I may, the the option I figured Mound would end up going with, or the, you know, I guess you could say the safe option or just the the option that is certainly less risky would have been taking a guy who, I mean, I don't think there was anyone out there who had connections to the area, but just taking out a guy who is not going to have the Loxy like connections. You know it's not going to be easy in the beginning. And then, you know, making sure that guy builds a good safe program Uh, but it you know it certainly wouldn't have been a sexy hire it would have meant Maryland would have it would have been more of the same in a lot of ways or even worse than what Maryland had been recently and in some ways if you are I I see why Maryland why if you're Damon Evans and you're Wallace Lowe that you make this hire because people are losing interest in Maryland football and this is the it's a risk but it is the way that you get people to tune back in hopefully
0: there's you imagine. Matt, I mean, like, the other options were Matt Canada and Pep Hamilton. And I want Thomas to speak to, well, firstly, I mean, Matt Canada is obvious that he was going to be a candidate. I had stumped for him. I thought that he did an amazing job considering the circumstances. He will not stay on with Maryland, I would assume. He'll get a job somewhere. I don't know where he's going to get a job. But this, this guy's bounced around, and some of it's his doing, but this one's clearly not his doing. He walked into a situation where no one would have known it would have blown up like that. And he did a pretty good job, all things considered. And I feel in many ways bad for him because he deserves better. You know, that's just really terrible luck on his part. But he ran an okay offense, and he ran a pretty okay program that most people were okay with. And Pep Hamilton was an interesting one. Michigan's offensive coordinator. Now, Michigan runs kind of an old school offense that is. So he's technically their passing game coordinator. Passing game coordinator. I don't know what that
2: means.
0: (laughs) And quarterback.
2: Michigan doesn't have an officially an offensive coordinator.
0: Well, didn't Jim McElwain get hired at Central Michigan? He was technically working. Uh, Never mind. Anyway, the point being that Pep Hamilton once was the offensive coordinator at Stanford and the offensive coordinator for the Colts at one point with Andrew Luck, when the Colts were good and not getting shut out by the Jaguars and looking hilariously terrible doing that. By the way, great, awful game between two former Maryland quarterbacks and Scott Milanovic and Frank Reich sent offense back a million years. Anyway, Pep Hamilton did start coaching in the area, which is why his name was on there, and I did not know that. But you can understand why somebody with no head coaching experience whatsoever would have been a big risk and always seemed like option C. Well, after the top two options, but a word on Canada here, Thomas, I always thought that he probably would have been the safer choice. I was stumping for him because as I said, if you wanted no risk, you probably hire Canada and no risk makes sense. But I think that in many ways, like this Maryland program kind of had to take a risk or otherwise it would have rendered itself. I'm not going to mention the team that we always mention. maybe Indiana light. How about that? Like the clear two sport in a basketball school yeah i mean
1: the, I think the the concerns with with Canada was that you know sure he's never been a head you know he's never been a head coach I mean he did have kind of that weird interim role where he was also the offensive coordinator and you know he was he was almost you know he claims to be the head coach only in name but you know but it was a step up it wasn't what a full-time head coach would be and I, th- I think the big issue was probably just you know he he's never been known as a recruiter and yeah. comparing that to Loxley who's as well known as a recruiter in this area as anyone in the whole country um I think that was ultimately what set those two apart
2: and and, and, and like, if you if you would mind I think it's interesting to contrast what Canada did as the interim coach as opposed to what Loxley did as the interim head coach back in 2015. Loxley's whole thing was, I am the recruiter. I am going to get the guys. That's what's going to get me the head coaching job. That's what he, that's, that was his argument when he was uh, back in, 20, uh, in 2015. 5 years ago. Right. And in, uh, in Canada was... Not like there was no sign of any recruiting, which, I mean, I totally get. Like, you don't know who's going to be the head coach. You've kind of had no support from anyone. You're maybe just trying to – you, you want to support the players you know and then just make sure everything's okay with them. Like, it's totally defensible, and I get it for, on Canada's part. But it seems like the the way to land – part of the way to land that head coaching job is to ingrain yourself in the community through recruiting and through – getting to know the high school head coaches, it didn't particularly seem like he did that. And it's very possible and defensible that he did not want to be Maryland's head coach because look at everything that just happened with Maryland. Um, So I just wanted to throw that that contrast out there.
0: I mean, he wants to be a head coach. If you are a coach Mm -hmm. at any level of football, you want to be a head coach. Maybe Maryland's not ideal, but I think in many ways the situation with Canada is he seems like a guy that likes to coach He seems like the guy who's like, bring me the player and I'll coach him up. And where Mike Loxley is the guy who does not have necessarily the coaching chops, but as a recruiter is really ace. In many ways, I thought that he would have been a good director of ops, but that would have never happened, you know, like as a general manager type to get the players and have somebody else coach him up. And that we'll get to when we talk about the staff, I think. And that to me is really interesting. And Thomas, now that he is the guy... We have to address the concerns about his program because of what happened at New Mexico with his first head coaching job, which was a complete and total disaster in every way, shape or form. Now New Mexico was not coming in even-handed. I mean, they're the New Mexico Lobos and that's already a problem there. but also they were already on probation. They were already on probation. They had scholarship restrictions. They had a lot of issues in that way, and he didn't make it much better. There was the, I think, ageism suit, one of these things. So there was let's go over all the things that happened in New Mexico yeah. because you might not have been paying attention to that.
1: Yeah, and so the first thing is concerns that we must. is make. Loxley, so he takes the job at New Mexico. It's a head coaching job at, in, you know, at the FBS level, and you know, he, he jumps at it, and they're on probation. and how are you, you know the getting a DMV recruiting ace at New Mexico isn't really going to help you with his biggest strength? Um, so it was never a good fit. The program was already a mess and he did nothing to help it. Um, there was an age and sex discrimination suit filed against him, you know, nine that was later dropped, uh, was, I believe because he said something along the lines of he wants young women on recruiting tours to, to help with recruiting.
0: seems a bit Um, Louisville-ish to me, but that happened before Louisville, of course, well, also, Louisville is a
1: completely different thing. Well, I know. It's, I it's know, one thing right. to just have people in those roles. It's another thing to bring in prostitutes. Well, like, those obviously,
0: are... but I says, that's why I said it seems a little Louisville-ish. But obviously, if that happened now, I mean, we're so much more um, aware of that sort of thing than we even were in 2009. And so that's why it's a concern that when it's brought up, it's a, even maybe slightly more of a concern now. But that's not the only thing that happened at New Mexico. There were other concerns that, to me, were even greater of concern.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the altercation with the assistant coach is the one that that really stood out to me. Um, that you know that one that's not dropped like that. That definitely happened. Um, he also got in like a, a verbal fight with like a student columnist at a bar. Hmm. Um. So those those are the things that I know of, really, that that sort of still kind of hang over him. But at this, I mean, clearly with him being hired, it seems like Maryland has decided those things are far enough in his past. And he has learned enough from them, especially by being at BAM the last three years.
0: I think that in many ways, you hope he's learned from it and maybe the New Mexico situation was not an ideal one, and now that he's been at Maryland as the offensive coordinator and he has the Nick Saban stamp of approval, that it doesn't wash away those concerns, but it allays some of those fears in many ways to a lot of people. And I think that that's a reasonable thing to assume. Like, this happened many years in the past, and you're always better if you're a head coach, often the second time you do it as opposed to the first. And so I think it's fair to say that Mike Lockley is probably going to – not make some of those same mistakes again and especially considering where he is now and what that program has gone through and I think he's in tune with that and he's certainly in tune with the area and that I think Ryan would allow us to say he deserves a second chance and particularly this is basically his dream job there are dream jobs for a lot of college football coaches coach at Ohio State coach at Michigan and USC and all these named programs but for Mike Loxley this is the job this is what he wanted his entire career, and he wanted to get it a couple of times, and now he's gotten it. So in many ways, because of that and because of what he's learned, I think that's why a lot of people are willing to put those concerns aside, even though they are legitimate concerns.
2: Yeah, the, that is definitely why. Um, yeah, you can you can draw your own opinion. You know, I've, I've made mine uh, certainly clear enough, I think. But, yeah, that's the that's basically that's the big risk they're taking um, and we, we will see I think in general the you know he won't make one of make those same mistakes because he knows that all of all eyes are going to be on him and that I mean this had to be a thing that he and Damon Evans and Wallace Lowe talked about at length because they knew they were going to have to sell this to the general public and they know what just happened in maryland um and that's i think part of why you see the extra effort to you know the maryland twitter account retweeting all of the uh you know people who are the players who have played under loxley who are really excited that he's here uh they really want to you know push ahead the positive narrative which is which is what the school is going to do um but yeah it's there is oh uh, it's it's just it's a lot um, and it's, it's really understandable to think that they would have just decided maybe he does it to, does deserve a second chance, but it's not something that works with our program right now. But, um, you know, evidently they decided we want to make sure we are able to have a successful program. And this is, it's definitely the easiest way to do that. Um, you, you would think. Uh, so that is, yeah, that's 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 that, I, I suppose.
0: I think that it's hard to say that, you know, they don't want to address the— they do, obviously, they want to address the concerns that people have about the program. But I think in many ways, you can't erase what happened, and they're not trying to erase what happened. I think that in many ways, what they're trying to do is saying, it happened, but we're going to rebuild it with Maryland pride, essentially. And I, that sounds kind of crass when you say it. But when you think about the connections that he has to so many former players, and I mean, Torrey Smith is one of them, but there's probably a bunch of others. And can you get them back into the building? Can you get them back into I, yeah. Maryland football in a major way? Because like, what happens if you're, if you're talking, if you're a young wide receiver, and Stefan Diggs is somebody who Maryland will plaster over everything because he's amazing and an NFL star, and Mike Loxley recruited him to go to Maryland to play for Randy Edsel, you know, these are the kind of things that it's like, if you're a young kid, particularly from this area, and you see that, you go, no, wait a minute. He, if you can get him here, then I could go here and be as successful. But it also, I think, in many ways connects this program to its past, which is something that Maryland has not done a lot of in recent times. Well, you know I, I, mean? I,
2: think, I think also, Loxley, you are saying, like, a, a very positive way of viewing this is... Loxley is, you know, not only rebuilding, you know, you're, you're rebuilding recruiting relationships and all that for the future. Like he, he's, he's the guy you hire because you say you want to, you want to build a Maryland program that is a distinctly Maryland program. A guy, f, you know, from, I mean, DC, but that's, you know, that's basically
0: DMV program,
2: but like, especially like, like, you know, if Maryland talks about Maryland pride and all that, like DJ Durkin tried his best to sell it but it would be like I remember a quote he had he's like we we're always gonna do right by the guys in our backyard and I mean you know he mean he didn't it's that he tried that's, it. that's he gonna mean a hard. lot more that's gonna mean a lot more from a guy who is from there as opposed to and any other coach would have been an outsider um you know you could have had an outsider come and build a program and not have those recruiting relationships but melon decided to go with Loxley, and it... you got to head start on those
0: relationships.
2: Yes, and I'm very interested to see how it turns out, because it, like, when people say he has these relationships, that is is a real, a definite real thing. It just, we'll see how much the the ultimate test of those relationships will be, are these kids, when they have offers from, you know, bigger programs, are they going to stick with Maryland, or are enough of them going to stick stick with Maryland? I guess you would say. And then, are, uh, you know, can he work with whatever he gets? Uh, like, you know, aside from recruiting, um, and and we will, uh, we'll see.
0: Brian, because now we can move on to step two, which is building a staff. Mm-hmm. And Thomas, let's talk about building a staff. Maryland has had a very interesting staff in the last couple of years. The assistants I think most people are focusing on now are other ace recruiters, Azar Adul Rahim, which is also one of the better recruiters in the area, defensive backs coach, and Chris Beatty, who's the wide receivers coach, who gotten got Maryland a lot of the good players from Virginia, particularly Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach area. And there's a lot of talk now about can Maryland keep those coaches. And to me, that obviously would be very important because if you could have Loxley and Azar Abdul-Rahim, you probably have the two best DMV guys in the country and they're in the same recruiting staff. That's a good sell, especially as some people have been saying. And after i doing some research, you can see why. The 2020 recruiting class in this area is going to be one of the best in recent memory. And so if you can ace that and you've got a leg up in many ways on what could be coming down the pike and but there's also other concerns like who is his offensive coordinator going to be what kind of offense does he want to run who's his defensive coordinator going to be because Maryland had some issues on defense the last couple of years with defensive coordinators that weren't exactly great so what kind of staff do you think Mike Loxley wants to build and who are some names that we could look out for as to who Mike Loxley might want on his staff
1: yeah, so, I mean, the only name that's been really thrown out there so far uh, is Josh Gattis, who is the receivers coach at Bama. Um, I imagine he would be coming as an offensive coordinator. I don't oh, yeah. know if Bama's going to try and dump a bunch of money at him to try and keep him around. Um, they They do have the money to do that, you know, to pay a coordinator like a million dollars or something where – you know Maryland does not have that same firepower, um, but but that's one of the names that I've heard a lot. Azhar um, Abdul Rahim, he's an interesting one. Like he he was rumored as a potential candidate for the Howard coaching job. Um, what I've heard on that though is that he wants to stay at Maryland, and I imagine now with Locksley hired, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't. Keep Azar and because mm-hmm. both of them, val- you know, are sort of an ace in the same thing, and they, you know, have very similar philosophies, and they, uh, you know, that would be too good of a fit to not keep around. And so, and- I, I imagine Azar will stay. I don't know enough about Beatty. Um, I really don't know about any of the other assistants at this point. But
2: yeah. I, I, and I think my read on that is definitely very similar. I'd also, uh, you do wonder with, especially with a guy like Azar Abdul-Rahim, how much it plays that he, he's he been able to coach at Maryland and he's from Maryland. He, you know, coached high school in D.C. You'd imagine, like, in coaching, you don't get the opportunity to, to live where you want that often. And if he stays at Maryland, he'd... Uh, he'd be with Loxley who I believe he is a fan of and he'd get to stay and continue to live in Maryland um, which I think is a is a worthwhile thing I think otherwise yeah if Josh Gaddis comes from Alabama that is a very big win for Maryland uh, he, he'd, he'd have to be an offensive coordinator because he's already a co-offensive coordinator at Alabama and if he's come to Maryland you can bet he's getting a solid promotion and i imagine having him there would mean Loxley gets to run the same offense he did at bamham um and that is that i don't know that's probably good it would uh the fact that gaddis is even rumored means uh, as we figured that matt canada is probably gone and that makes sense because what canada's done this year he has he has proven he at least deserves a better offensive coordinator position than the one man was going to be able to give him. I imagine the defensive staff, aside from Azar Abdul-Rahim, would largely be gone. Um, I don't think Loxley has particular connections to many of those people. There's a uh, defensive, uh, not even a regular assistant. I don't know that sounds bad. But uh, his Brawley Evans, who is an analyst, who was I know he was part of the... You know, group of guys that was recruiting recruiting Josh Kando. Uh, So he might be a guy who stays on as part of his recruiting prowess. But I imagine, uh, like defensive coordinator Andy Boo, I wouldn't picture him sticking around. Um, And, you know, other guys we'll see. On offense, Chris Beatty is a guy who I'm sure Maryland fans really want to keep. He is, like, he's a really good Virginia recruiter. And he, might end up. I, I, I could see him leaving just because there might not be a spot for him if they bring Gattis because he'd probably he'd probably want a you know associate head coach or offensive coordinator position and usually your associate head coach is a guy that you is sort of your confidant and I don't know if he and Loxley know each other and that is my that is my uh my read on it based on not sources, but just more or less my opinion.
0: And then the next question that most people are asking, and I don't think we have a straight answer on this, and I don't know if we'll get a straight answer on this until the uh, the press conference, which is going to be Thursday. We're recording this Tuesday night. Uh, what is Mike Oxley going to do about the whole matter of the college football playoff? Alabama plays Oklahoma, and then presumably if they win, which I can't imagine them not winning, We'll have a national championship game on January the 7th. And that does not leave a lot of time between January 8th and the signing day for him to get in, get a staff, and get recruits into Maryland because Maryland only has eight commitments right now, and they are losing a lot of players. So what do we know about is Loxley going to stick with Alabama or is he going to take the job and start running with it and Alabama's going to have to find a new option for the playoff and as they try to go win another national championship?
1: So here's the thing is the – Loxley's job has already started because the early signing period, which is when the vast majority of football recruits are now signing. This is the, just the second year of it, but like it's kind of the actual signing day at this point. Um, that's December 19th. That's in two weeks. And so Loxley's going to spend a lot of time putting together a staff quickly, trying to get as many kids as he can before then. And then he will have to do that again for the regular signing period which starts in February. The and yet I've still heard that he's going to be involved with helping Alabama prepare for the playoff semifinal. There is a, you know, a bit of a gap between um the early signing day and
2: Alabama's
1: semifinal and and the semifinal game. Yeah. And then there's almost a month gap between the potential title game and the other signing day. But at the same time, like Nick Saban let Lane Kiffin go before the national title game because his new head coaching job was kind of a distraction. And so it, it's really too soon to say. I've the little bit that I've heard on this subject suggests that he's going to at least try to do both. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition.
0: Well, it also seems like Mike Loxley has a better relationship with Nick Saban than Lane Kiffin did. So maybe this flies it would better. Be, it would
1: be hard not
0: to. Well, I mean, yeah, th- this is also true. But even then, in many ways, like my, my question is, like, it's hard to prepare to beat Oklahoma and also try to get a staff and a recruiting class in basically from scratch at the same time. Now, Mike Loxley is really good at his job. But I'm not sure that he's that good at his job, that he can do the both at the same time, even though there's going to be a gap. And I, I, I think it does him a disservice to Alabama and to Nick Saban. I mean, he has Tua. I think Alabama's going to be all right, even if, you know, Mike Locksley's calling the plays. Josh Gaddis, the coordinator, co-offensive coordinator for Alabama, it's going to be hard to get him out of that job too so it's going to be interesting to see how that staff builds and I'm presuming news is going to break really quickly on this and we'll have updates on it on the podcast going forward and whenever we see links we'll mention them to you because there is a lot we don't know and pretty much at this point Gaddis and Adore Raheem are the only coaches that we even see remotely linked to Maryland at this point and they got to build a staff in the coming days just to get something going for the first signing period he it's December 19th that's two weeks from when we're recording this podcast which is absolutely crazy Maryland has eight recruits in So now I want to get to the future of Maryland football in many ways, and it is an interesting time for this program. As we were recording this, Urban Meyer has also retired. Penn State is losing Trace McSorley. Uh, Michigan State is on the wrong end of the we're not as bad as Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana, but we're not quite as good as the other guys. So in many ways, there's a little bit of an opening for Maryland right now, and if they can ace this, if they can get this right, they have an opportunity to take a step up in a way that Maryland football has not had an opportunity to obviously since they've joined the Big Ten, in many ways since they made it to the Orange Bowl in some regards. And, and, Thomas, I think that's really intriguing when you look at where Maryland is right now. Like, they're in a precarious but promising position where if it goes wrong, it goes off the rails, and Maryland football is in a really bad spot. But if it goes right— they can actually take the next step and maybe somewhat challenge the teams in the Big Ten East that are good. And that, to me, means that when you're taking a risk, you're either going to go all in and you're going to lose or you're going to win big. And in many ways, Maryland right now is on the precipice of losing big or winning big. And we'll have to see which one it is, but there's an opportunity here for Maryland that I think is really interesting, and Mike Loxley might just be the guy that can help them get it.
1: Yeah, because you know with these those other programs like Ohio State Penn State they get a lot of kids from the DMV and so those are programs that you will have to compete directly with on the recruiting trail and having a staff full of local guys you know who've been recruiting the area their whole careers gives you a leg up you know somewhat of a leg up on those other programs plus you know i'm not super worried about Ohio State to be perfectly honest Uh, Ryan Day seems like he'll do a pretty good job, and they're still Ohio State.
0: Um, He's not Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer has won a national championship and gotten that team to within the fringes of the playoff basically every single year. And, I mean, yes, the program also kind of did some terrible things, and Urban Meyer might not have any comprehension of what domestic violence is, but that program still did pretty well, all things considered. And, I mean, there is going to be at least a tiny drop-off when you had to write it, I'm not saying that Maryland can fill in that gap, but Ohio State is not going to be the all destroying unit that it has been in the Big Ten for recent years. The, the happiest people about that are probably those in Ann Arbor, because there will be nobody in the entirety of college football that has more pressure in 2019 than Jim Harbaugh now that Urban Meyer's left. But aside from that, there is still a little bit of a gap, though, and maybe that's Penn State, maybe that's Michigan State, but that's a gap that Maryland can fill in, and if they do this right the potential is there and they can tap into it. And soon, as in the 2020 football season, they're going to start getting Big Ten TV payments. And so all that money is going to start to come into the program where they haven't been getting it before. And Kevin Plank seems to be on better terms now with Maryland football now that the guy he wanted, Mike Lockley, has been hired. So there's a lot of potential here, in spite of all the risk, that Maryland could really take this opportunity and run with it.
1: I think so. I think, uh, you know, to me, my level of, educated optimism on how that actually plays out depends on who who else comes on in the staff. Um and really what kinda happens over the next couple of weeks is there is is the whole vibe around Maryland recruiting completely different than it was right before Loxley got hired. And if if all of that, you know, kinda comes together and there there does seem to be that excitement, then, you know, Maryland, like in twenty nineteen, we'll have, you know, months to discuss, kind of where they're at, because they're losing, a lot of starters, but returning a lot of production. Um, they're in kind of an interesting spot. It really, it, it does depend on, how much of the roster can you keep and who can you bring in, to fill some gaps and uh, fill some roles in the future as well. And when
0: you, th- when you think about losing players. Like, my biggest fear is losing a lot of those guys on the skill positions, right? I don't know how some of them are gonna walk out if the DMV guy is coming in. You know what I mean? Like, my biggest fear was that Anthony McFarland was going to leave. Don't think Anthony McFarlane's going to leave now that Mike Loxley's in the building. And some of these other players, don't think they're gonna leave now that Mike Loxley's in the building. You're gonna see some attrition, that happens, but I think that in many ways, some of like the worst case scenarios. They probably don't happen now that the guy who probably recruited them and likely probably had ties to all of these players, especially the big-name ones that Maryland ended up getting, not as many of them are going to be thinking about leaving when that guy comes in. And, Ryan, I think that that, to me, means that Maryland next year, even if they have deficiencies in some areas, the quarterbacks return, all of the running backs on Ty Johnson return, and all these promising receivers return that's a lot that you can bring back, even if there are other positions where they had some holes.
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine especially the offense. I mean, now it's going to be the third offense in three years, you'd think, but uh, or for, some, for the players who have been there for three years. But, uh, yeah, the offense could be promising, although I don't know who is playing offense, who's going to be starting at either tackle position, which is problematic. Um, but... Yeah, it's the the case for Loxley back in 2015 was he'd be the guy who gets the talent there and then if he's the head coach, he could actually hire a coordinator who'd know how to use it. Now you have a better idea that Loxley is actually going to be able to use that talent just because of what he's done at Alabama, not a, you know... Definitely not a guarantee as we as we discussed earlier. But um, that offense could be pretty fun. I mean the talent on offense on Maryland's offense this year was undeniable, which is it always sounds like a really homery thing to say when you're talking about Maryland, but this was absolutely true. And the all like except for Ty Johnson and Tavon Jacobs, everyone every skill position player is coming back pretty much. So that's that's hard not to be, not to be uh, optimistic about.
0: I mean, you're looking at a, an offense next year whose top two running backs are Anthony McFarlane and Lorenzo Harrison. Seems like that's pretty good. And even if Kasim Hill's not healthy, I mean, Tyrell Pigram didn't do a bad job running that offense. And again, I don't presume he's going to leave. There might be some other guys who end up transferring who weren't, you know, uh, Mike Loxley guys who might have been more tied into Matt Cannon or DJ Durkin. But in many ways, it just seems like there's the potential there that this could actually go well. And that's why most Maryland fans are excited, because they think, like, this is the guy that many of them have wanted have been pining for, and they didn't hire in 2015, and many thought they should have. If they did, it's pretty obvious that Dwayne Haskins would have stayed, that would have won a Heisman or gotten close to winning a Heisman or being a quarterback that I'm pining for as a fan of an NFL team that desperately needs a quarterback. I have no idea. But that was something that is now, in many ways, out of the question because... Maryland can get these guys and they can get them to stay here as opposed to going to other schools. And that, that's the, that's the enticing thing is getting the talent. But the biggest question I have, Thomas, and I think this is where we could start to wrap it up is like, it's how this talent's coached, how this talent's used. And what's the periphery around the program going to be like? Because if this doesn't work and there is no guarantee in college football, but if this doesn't work, I legitimately don't know what else you could possibly do at Maryland other than an act of God and hoping that, you know the reincarnated spirit of Bear Bryant shows up because if the DMV Ace can't get it to work at Maryland, then I honestly don't know what will.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would take. You know, if that doesn't work, then you know you'll kind of have to go gimmicky, maybe. You know, we, we've got enough uh, option. Yeah, we've got enough uh, quirky triple option fans in our in our comments.
2: In this in this very podcast.
1: <laughs> uh oh.
2: Dun, dun. Just, just,
1: just me, just me. Oh, it might but, uh... be just you. Yeah, that's just you. I'd rather try this first. Yeah, um, I
0: think that's like at this. And point... even
1: after that, like, if Maryland's looking for another head coach in three years, then it might be similar to kind of the last search where you want, um, you know, completely uh, uh, someone with someone with maybe Durkin's credentials, someone like that, maybe a the top Group of Five coach. Um, there there will always be options. There will always be a lot of different ways. You can go as a program
2: maybe um, maybe the young the young coach who finally got UMass to uh, to be a, a Okay, team oh, I man. I'm
0: Happy for Walt Bell. I mean, I don't I think it was possible that he was gonna lose his job at FSU
2: I think but... that that was definitely Potentially part of it,
0: but I mean I gotta be honest like I, I care about UMass now <laughs> Like, I want to see what that team looks like. Because Walt Bell's offenses were fun. He was a fun coach. He was the guy who tweeted Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle gifts when a Maryland player committed.
2: Like he's, was- a 30, he's a 30, 34-year-old head coach, which is just nuts.
0: Well, I mean, we're Sean McVace younger, but it'd be like, like that kind of – kind of, you kind of have to think, like, is that the best that – you know, is that the best that you ask him to do? I'm like, oh, wait, that's actually a pretty good hiring and all things considered. And like, what other hiring in this college football hiring – uh, season, has there been where you've been going, like, oh wow, that really blows me away? I mean, we're not talking big name programs needing a coach, but what other programs may to hire where you're like, okay, I could see this really working? You know, like with Mike Loxley, once you realize what his connections are, you could say, like, okay, I could see this really actually working out pretty well for Maryland, even though they're kind of a dysfunctional viper pit at this point. You know, like Louisville didn't get its top choice, and Louisville, in many ways, is a comparable program to Maryland, even though they have a more recent success. You know, Colorado hasn't hired a coach yet. You know, we don't. Louisville
1: need- has Louisville has so much more money than Maryland, though. Well,
0: they do. Although Maryland's about to get Big Ten TV money. Yeah,
1: so so that gap is closing a little bit. Uh, As I said,
0: next Louisville losing a
1: little bit of touch with falling. You know, maybe falling out of favor with Papa John, who's been.
0: Well, like, I'm, I'm okay with that because he – Oh, he yeah, they, they took him off the stadium.
1: Yeah, they he took him off the stadium. Be a bad human being. Maybe, but but like. Louisville is going to be fine with Scott Satterfield, I think. Um, Mel Tucker, who was a long-discussed candidate for the Maryland job, is emerged as the favorite for the Colorado job. That hasn't happened yet, but all signs point to it.
0: Um, if anybody who worked on the Jaguars coaching staff, when Gene Smith was the GM, was a coach of my team, I'd run away. Now, that's just you know, personal well, experience, but traumatic personal experience.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, and then... The the thing with Walt Bell, like when I when I saw it, I was I was surprised because, you know, he's struggled with offense for the last couple of years for reasons out of his control. Like he had two quarterbacks get hurt um in an offense that really relied on kind of a mobile quarterback who can who can go fast and run a fast offense. And then he tried to run that offense with Max Sportenschlager and it didn't work. And then at Florida State you know, he has DeAndre Francois coming back off injury, and he's not quite the same as he was, and the offensive line is so battered by injuries that they can't run the ball with Cam Akers, who's one of the best, who's, like, a very, very good running back and could be in the NFL. So, like, that offense just doesn't work, and somehow, you know, it it doesn't reflect well on Bell or the offensive-minded head coach Willie Taggart. But, Willie Taggart
0: but still... Willie Taggart's kind of an ideologue, though. Yeah, but, but still,
1: for, for Bell to... I mean, he took a pay cut, like... that's definitely a part of it um it's unclear how stable his job was at florida state whether he was uh set to go now or like a little later um you know after another bad season bell was has been married in the past year this is his third job this calendar year (laughs) and getting a head coaching job you know at, at a school that does need you know a restart a school that is trying to build something that is at least for him it's stability
2: and and, and if he doesn't him, that's
1: all he really wants
2: if he doesn't succeed there it maybe it like it doesn't look as bad cuz i don't know who's going to succeed there and when you're that young maybe you just take a chance but it is interesting cuz i think if you're you're 33 34 and you're fsu's offensive coordinator You'd think that you know you do you do that for a couple of good years and you're on your way to landing a better job, but you could you could get the same route by being the UMass head coach. It is, it is. Uh, if you
0: succeed there, everybody's going to go. Oh, holy crap! You succeeded at UMass.
2: It, it's very much betting on yourself.
0: It's kind of tricky because UMass is an independent for now. And yeah. Yes, they are,
1: and they only have two Power Fives on the schedule, and uh, they're Northwestern and Rutgers.
0: I was so. not going to mention Rutgers on this show. I tried not to. Well,
1: the first game next fall.
0: year, opening Friday, UMass Rutgers. Suddenly, I'm excited for that. Mark those calendars, folks. Oh, jeez. Well, I think on one last thing, on all that we've we've talked about, we've gone kind of bouncing back and forth. But in many ways, then I think the summary of this this hiring for Maryland is, for me, it was I was skeptical of that it could work but I understand why most people want did Mike Locksley to be the guy there's every reason to think that he could succeed here and there's every reason to think that it might not work out as well but my whole thought process is and it sounds kind of not harsh but it is an idea of well you got to put up or shut up now this is the time you've been wanting this now you've got it now you got to give up the goods let's see it on the field and see if they can win Because as I said, if this doesn't work, then I don't know where you go next. Uh, There is potential, and this is actually maybe a bit of a sweet spot for Maryland, even though they've had such a bad year. The Big 10 East is changing a little bit. They're about to get Big 10 TV money, and that's a lot of money that they have not had. And it busts up the coffers a little bit that have been kind of empty. And now we start to think about what this program could do with all that talent, and the 2020 DMV recruiting class seems to be pretty good. There's a lot of potential here, and I hope the potential turns into actual wins because Maryland hasn't won a bowl game since 2010. They have been to a couple of bowl games this decade, but they were all not very good, and Maryland got kind of beaten up in all of them. So this program needs a shot in the arm, and there might not be anybody who could better give this program a shot in the arm than Mike Loxley. So, uh, Thomas, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you haven't mentioned yet?
1: I mean, I think you said, you know, you hit on a lot of it, is that, you know, the – it makes a lot of sense, and his track record is, you know, very much up and down. You know, hiring, it's easy to sell hiring the best coordinator in the nation as a head coach. Um, and you can debate how much of Alabama's offensive success is on Loxley, but he did win the Broyles Award, and you can point at that and say, yes, yes, he is. Um, but the, you know, the New Mexico stint and, Everything that followed with that, there's there is a legitimate, you know, there's legitimate pushback to hiring someone with that on their record to replace, you know, what happened at Maryland. Um, I think, you know, the the decision made by Maryland is that, you know, the the recent success and the connections to Maryland outweigh those those concerns. And, you know, personally, over the last few days, few weeks, I've kind of talked myself into it as well. I think it really, really depends on what kind of staff he hires. Um, Can those – can his assistants recruit? Can they coach? Can they run a good offense? Can they run a good defense?
0: Can Damon Evans keep a tighter ship ahead of him, which we did not see under the last athletic director?
1: And that was was the last thing I was going to say, is that, you know, can all those changes that were – suggested in the report do those happen and does this program operate functionally does the athletic department operate functionally obviously like that's the athletic department is bigger than Loxley, but he is now as central of an aim in it as anyone
0: and you know when you look at maryland sports that succeed i mentioned it before the sports that succeed do it independently of the athletic department you know when we talk about women's basketball It's not the athletic department, that's Brenda Freeze. I am really incredibly excited for Friday night when Maryland men's soccer is playing in the final four. That's Sasho, he runs his program. You know, we talk about men's and women's lacrosse, John Tillman and Kathy Reese run those programs, that's not the athletic department. Football is as integrated with the athletic department as any other sport, and Maryland football has trended in the same way the athletic department has dysfunctional viper pit. And the president will be gone by the time the next football season starts, so a lot will be different. But you hope, Ryan, that none of what we have seen in the last two years with this athletic department going completely haywire multiple times—you hope that does not say the same.
2: Yeah, and I think part of uh, the whoever Loxley hires on his staff bear responsibility for this too. Yeah, the the coaching staff has to take responsibility for the, uh, you know in general the safety and well-being of the players and in a in a very personal way because clearly that is the biggest issue at Maryland right now is making sure the players feel safe and making sure that they are safe Um, and that has to be more than a lip service thing I, I, I hope it is I imagine Maryland knows if I know that this is a problem, I would sure think that Maryland thinks it's a problem. So we uh, yeah hope they hope they know that. But um, I hope their it, background
0: checks are a little bit more thorough than they have been.
2: Yes, and I think um, also the uh, it you know it, it could be program could be interesting to follow, and I'll have to uh, it's. It's weird, like I think about recruiting, I'm like, you know, I haven't really been ready to say I care about Maryland football recruiting. Like Maryland football hasn't shown us that it deserves us to care about Maryland football recruiting because there's so much bigger stuff going on. But it I am I am interested to see how how Lost Lee's poll is right away. You know, people people are saying some pretty big things and that is the biggest reason he got hired. So it'll be interesting to see what these next few weeks are like.
0: I've always said that if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. And if there's anybody who's capable of doing it, it's Mike Loxley. But this is also comes for, in many ways, players, not just players on the team, but fans too. It's like, you know, if you wanted this, this is what you got. You've got to back it up now. Back up your words with action. And that comes from the boosters. That comes from the fans. There can't be 30,000 in there when they play Howard. I know it's Howard, but you can't have 30,000 in there, and you can't have a stadium filled with mostly Michigan and Penn State fans next year. That's not acceptable. I mean, there's all these other things that can happen. And I think if this is the entry point for people to caring about Maryland football again, and if this is the time when there's more being invested in terms of money, in terms of time, in terms of effort, from everybody involved, it's time to back up that talk with action. you got to walk the walk. And I think they can. And I think there's a lot of reason to believe that they can, but I think in many ways now it's time to see whether they actually do it or not because this is an opportunity for Maryland in football that may not come up again for another decade. You can't stand by while one of the biggest programs in the country is changing, while other teams are losing generational talent in many ways, and you have an opportunity to hire this coach who could do all these things with these kinds of players that he's linked to, and if it works, then we're talking, this program, we don't know what kind of degree of success, but we're certainly not talking about what we've been talking about. But if it fails, then, again, we don't know where it goes from here. But that's what the next couple of weeks for. You will stay tuned, of course, to Statuto Times for all the news about recruiting, all the news about coordinators and the building of a coaching staff. I'm intrigued to see how it goes. I, I feel a morbid sense of optimism about Maryland football in ways that I have not felt about them since, well, I watched Stefan Diggs, which was the only reason to be, about Maryland football, and if again, if you want to leave you on a happy note, it's this. If Mike Loxley could have gotten Stefan Diggs and Dwayne Haskins to play for Randy Edsel, the same Randy Edsel who has the weird bonuses in his contract, the same Randy Edsel whose UConn team gave up the most yards and points in FBS history, then what can he do when he's running his own ship? The result remains to be seen. We will have more podcasts soon where we will focus on the basketball, and all these other coaching hirings. And, of course, I will probably spend 30 minutes talking about men's soccer because I'm really excited about that, as all of you should be, even though the game's at 10.30 on Friday night. But until then, of course, no terms.